elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 331. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross, Ross Jedi Jay, and as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. Hi kids, how are y'all doing? Another exciting episode for you all. This week, a little bit something special. We've got a cross pod on the menu for you. Brand new to Never Sleeps Network. There is a podcast called What Mad Universe. What Mad Universe stars Adam and Phil. These are two guys who are delving into the history of pulp science fiction and fantasy books from the classic to the obscure. They came on over to hang out in the L5J studio and uh, make some pod with me and talk about what they're up to and what they're doing. So go to NeverSleepsNetwork.com, the home of Toronto's finest podcast, and check out What Mad Universe. Get to know Adam and Phil right now, and enjoy my conversation with them this week on An Elegant Weapon. Okay, so there we are uh, after Fan Expo Canada. Uh-huh. 2018, we're at the Lucky Clover Pub, uh, an elegant weapons after dinner and drink soiree, and I meet you two individuals. Uh, this is Adam and this is Phil. Hi. Hello. Tell the people what you're all about. What are we all about, Phil? I don't know. We're, it's that's a big, <laughs> epic, loaded question. I was born in a sh- no. Okay. Uh, no, we uh, way back down yeah. back in the day. Well, we're both uh, web comics artists, uh, but we uh, we've decided to launch. We've launched a podcast uh, on the Never Sleeps Network, um, and uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, a podcast. We realized we were both kind of uh, guys who knew stuff about old, obscure sci-fi pulp and. Uh, the you know genre fiction of various kinds like the the really old and the not necessarily revered stuff right yeah. right, right, right right so and Phil like I I knew a fair amount about the 20th century stuff and Phil knows a lot about like 19th century yeah okay <laughs> and very early 20th century yeah basically if it's public domain and it's yeah right it's trash fiction you know, right like right. That. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he uh, he yeah. Phil actually does a comic that's a bit League of Extraordinary Gentlemen esque with all these sort of old uh, public domain characters as well as his own creations. Oh, that's in, fun! In okay. the same spirit, it's called the Apex Society. Okay, but yeah. Anyway, we just were kind of like, hey, we know all this weird, obscure stuff. Phil, in particular, is obsessed <laughs> with a book uh, called The Adventures of Saturn and Ferranduil. Yeah. Uh, tell us about it, Phil. Uh, well, we we did an episode on it, so yeah. check that out. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's. Uh, it's a French uh, novel from uh, 1889, I believe, um, by uh, Albert Robita, who's more famous for a later book that's still very obscure. Um, but this is a parody of Jules Verne. It's about a guy who was raised by monkeys on a deserted island. What? This is decades <laughs> before Tarzan. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, he goes on to uh, have a bunch of adventures. He fights pirates. He meets. He goes Cap- to every every continent. Yeah. Like the, the the book is structured as he goes to every continent. Yeah. That's crazy. So he meets Captain Nemo from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Right. Right. And this was when it was still fairly new. So it was like yeah. he was. 
The well, writer was breaking the law, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, was he? Well, Jules Verne wrote, read it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were all generally in the geek society. We are familiar with Jules Verne. Can you guys give me a specific as far as uh, birth to death? When did Ju- oh. Jules Verne? What years did he do all his I writing? Is it just like late eighteen hundreds? I think uh, mid was, to late eighteen hundreds. I think. Yeah, he's he's nineteenth century. Late nineteenth century is kind of his wheelhouse. Yeah. A War of the Worlds was eighteen ninety eight. I know that. That's H. G. Wells. Uh, you're right, but they yeah. were kind of they yeah. were colleagues. Though. Yeah, uh, were they colleagues? Like knew each well, other? They, they knew each other. They I knew of they, each other. I think at they least. didn't. At get l- along they must have knew of yeah. each other. They, yeah. they criticized okay. each other. Uh, yeah. uh, Vern famously, um, well, H.G. Wells wrote a story where they go to the moon uh, through a machine uh, running on something called Cavorite, a fictional anti gravity metal. Okay, and uh, Vern. Um, who wrote his own going to the moon story where they were shot out of a giant cannon, thought that uh, Wells's version was really unscientific, and he said, show me this Cavorite. What's Cavorite? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's kind of cool when you imagine something like that, because even yeah. back then, that's the the precursor to things like uh, vibranium. The yeah. thought of, you know, energetic yeah. metal well, or, I, you know... I mean, Vern wouldn't have liked vibranium and uh, no, adamantium no. and that he sort was, of thing. He was a hard sci-fi writer for his day. Yeah. Uh, so it had but to it, be... But although his idea of hard sci-fi was, of course, still inaccurate, because, like, he literally has in his from... Uh, uh, Earth to the Moon is literally they got fired out of a giant cannon. Is that how yeah, uh, yeah. Works. Which that's well, if you've ever seen, and of course they made the short film. I know the the old silent, the, yeah, yeah, right, the, the yeah, moon. From the earth, that's sort of half uh, Vern, and the second half is more Wells. Right, yeah, it kind of mixes both of them together. Yeah, and Jules cool. Verne again, he would not have liked the moon having a face and getting it stuck. Yeah, in right, 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 right. He was yeah. a very scientific kind of guy. So yeah. you guys are you're making web comics. How do you? Where do you two meet? Uh, online twitter yeah okay right yeah. on yeah 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 that's where some of the best relationships have come to be you yeah know? yeah it was uh, it was years ago um uh i i we were following each other for a while but uh you had posted that uh you needed some oh well, sorry actually let me let me stay because it was strange romance basically yeah that's that what was i was it. gonna say so i was doing an i was doing an anthology uh uh comic basically i decided i have all these friends online who are Com- uh, comics guys and uh, let's do an anthology together uh so i just the theme and i'd had a story that i'd come up with a long time ago that was like an incomprehensible alien love story okay uh, just like alien love story but their mating rituals are make no sense to a human so okay. that was the, the comedy but it was a rom-com with aliens right um, nice. a- anyway it was uh so i just did a little short story that i did and i was like well let's use that okay. and i'll do an anthology and it's all romance stories that are sci-fi fantasy whatever that kind of thing um so we said let's all go together and do that together and it was kind of a way of just making a community around webcomics and, and getting something out there. So Phil was a participant in that in the first... Uh, yeah, the first I, I came on late because uh, you said somebody dropped out. That's right, needed yeah. Needed an artist for uh, one of the stories. Yeah, I don't remember the exact process, but you were sort of in the mix, generally speaking, right? Yeah. You were around. And he's been. you've been in every volume since then, right? Uh, were you in the third volume? Uh, I did the cover for volume three. But yeah, you oh, that's volume fun. Three. And right we're on. doing... And just so you know, there's a third volume coming out, hopefully for Valentine's 3. Day. 3.5. 5, right. We're not right. doing a full volume this year. We're doing a little sort of bonus filler volume that's going okay. to be like 50, 60 pages. The other ones are all about 150 pages each. Oh, that's uh, cool. So they're, they're big. But anyway, so yeah, it was just this community online that came together to do this uh, strange romance. And then I needed, I wanted to sell it at Comic-Con, so Phil, uh, basically, Phil was in, uh, around, so I was like, hey, you can help me out by t- helping me table because you can't So you guys have tabled at shows around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which shows? Um, 
mostly uh, Fan Expo, and right uh, on. we did TCAF last year. Right, we did TCAF. How we... was your TCAF experience? Did you guys enjoy Great, that? Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it see, I love hearing about TCAF experiences because they're always one way or the other. I I yeah. had. Uh... <laughs> I, it's not really germane, but I, yeah, I, I, I actually, I shouldn't even talk about it, but I had some, yes, I had some good, I had another little one-off comic that I did that got some interest from someone. Right on. And, uh, yeah. I'll talk was, about that one. Cause I really like that one. Well, I just, I did a one-off comic called a uh, night beach, which was just a pair. Okay. In, in the, in, uh, the nineties, as you may, of course, Baywatch, everyone loved Baywatch. Of course. Right. Um, so in the night, uh, Baywatch got a spinoff, uh, called Baywatch nights. A lot of people don't yes, remember the show. I remember that yes. show. Oh, okay. Absolutely, was, I remember it, that. Yeah. So David Hasselhoff's character became a private eye in this spinoff. When he was a night, he was a night. It was the same character as night as uh, Baywatch, right? But he was a private eye at night, right? I totally remember this. But the crazy yeah. thing about that show is, by the second season, they were pushing in the ratings, and it was the middle of the X Files. So they turned it into an X Files ripoff. So it was the, the David Hasselhoff as the main character from Baywatch. Uh, fighting paranormal threats, right? And he'd gone from lifeguard to private eye to fighting paranormal threats. That's amazing. Threats. That's so, like, there's an unfrozen Viking in one episode. Yeah. With, <laughs> like horns on its helmet. And, yeah, um, yeah. There's like a fish. I'm pretty sure there's a Gilman in one episode. Um, there's a demon possession, of course. Yeah, alien aliens of some kind, but they don't explain it very well. Anyway, um, so obviously you guys meet through all this, yeah. and obviously well, hey, you. Sorry, okay. I just want to, just want to yeah, explain. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I knew about this show, but I never watched it so i made a comic of my interpretation of what it was going to be it was called night beach oh so it was, it was these it. it was these lifeguards fighting the paranormal which is not what the show was but that was my garbled interpretation that's of a it. show i'd watch though <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah anyway yeah. so that's that's why i brought up that whole weird tangent about night, i understand yeah yeah okay i get <laughs> yeah. it so you guys obviously you hit it off you realize you're into the same kind of thing mm-hmm. are you both already podcast fans at that point uh yes i a very limited selection of podcasts. Yeah, but same. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's true of everyone to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has different things. I was actually more into the fiction podcast, like the sure. more dramatic podcast, I guess. Yeah. Where yeah. it's actually acted out or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't do, there were one or two that I listened to that were kind of newsish. I had a couple friends who did kind of, they did get their friends together and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, we, we just decided, Hey, you know, we know all this weird, obscure stuff. Let's do a, let's do a podcast about it basically. That's great. That's the way it comes up, you know, nice and natural. It makes it cool and organic, you know, rather yeah. than people, you know, a lot of times people will search something out and be like, I want to do a podcast, but not really know what about. Right. You know, yeah. it's much better to have the idea come to mind and then want to do a podcast yeah. about that thing, you know. So we're, we both have, you know, like you said, separate sort of interests within the same group. He's mm-hmm. more 20th That's century good. and yeah, I'm more 19th variety. century. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically we do one episode as my selection, one episode as his selection and right. back okay. and forth. Yeah, yeah. We each pick a book or book series. Each yeah. we we alternate one of us uh suggesting and then the other one basically. So we've done ones like uh there's this and and they go from like really obscure like the Saturn Inferno we mentioned. Right. Uh the Jules Verne fanfic basically <laughs> to the one we just did was about James Bond. So obviously not obscure. Oh, okay. uh, because yeah. they were of course pulp novels initially. Right? Yeah, yeah, we should mention the, mention the name of the podcast oh, that we're what talking. What Mad Universe? It's what? called What Mad Universe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you decide let's do a podcast, yes. and what's your next step? Do you have any idea where to go? Or well, we came here, and then we <laughs> yeah. no, um, yeah, we're just right now. We're, like we're quite new. This is only our eighth episode. Well, that's why I wonder. Like, like, yeah. are, did you guys just decide? Like, how did you guys basically uh, never sleeps network? In right. Toronto well, we knew, here. We we're knew. very proud to be a part of. How do you 
you guys get hooked up with that situation? Well, actually, I was on, uh, for Strange Romance, promoting Strange Romance, I was on Aaron Broverman's show. Okay. And I've met Aaron Broverman a number of times at, okay. uh, at various meetups, uh, comic book-related meetups. Oh, so it's the Broverman that's the cause of all <laughs> right. this. Right. Okay. Yeah, blame him. I understand. Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and he, uh, yeah, and, and then through him, I met Alex Ross and Alec, and he kind of... He gave me all the details, so I looked him up when I said, you know, let's do it. It took like a year, but I finally said, hey, I think I've got something for a podcast, basically. That's fantastic. So, That's yeah. cool. So you said you're eight episodes in? Yeah, we've got eight episodes. We've, we've we've recorded nine. We've recorded nine. We've got like six more planned out. We do them in little chunks and then, because they're not timely at all, so we don't. Right. Yeah. You don't need to worry. About, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That can be frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gonna... crazy as you go on and you realize like once you've, you've chosen a road, and then you realize all the obstacles that come along with it, and but you've you know most of the time you've kind of dug in. Well, one day, well, some, it, one of these days, frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, one of these days, somebody's going to release like something based on one of the things we wrote about, and it's going to be timely, and, and we're going to be, be like, oh, we right. got to make sure that comes out. So, right what time. are your parameters for what you talk about? Do you have any kind of rules or restrictions? Does it have to be very specific, or just about whatever you guys did? Um, something we'd think is interesting. Yeah, we're, um, we're informal, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so far, we haven't vetoed anything. No. Um, I didn't like the Bond series at all, <laughs> but I read through them. There's 14 books in that series, and they're really yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> they're okay. They were from the 50s, and, you know, right, very yeah. out of date. Absolutely. Um, very... Um, very sexist, very very rapey. Yeah, right. Um, very racist. Very racist. How do you originally get into reading sci-fi? Because a lot of people don't get into the sci-fi books. Where does that influence come from? Well, um, I uh, I wasn't really a big reader when I was growing up. Like I, well, I guess I, I read the Odyssey and some other things when I was very young. You know, but, we just uh, tossed off the Odyssey. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But uh, I wasn't like uh, that. That was when I was in like grade seven or so. But uh, and I read Lord of the Rings, of course, and you know had a phase, a okay. Tolkien phase. Right. Uh, but during high school, I wasn't really a big novel reader. Uh, it was in university that I started. Uh, uh, I had a project where I wanted to do a portrait of Dracula. I got an idea to do uh, a drawing because I'm an artist as well. Right. I was in. I was at OCAD, um, and uh, and I thought I should read the book first, so I read Dracula, and then I thought I'd do another portrait of some of the other uh, vampire characters from the time. So I did. Mm-hmm. So I read Carmilla and did a portrait of that, um, and then I read Varney the Vampire, which yeah. Varney for- the Vampire yep. really obscure. Well, it's it's not that obscure, but it's really influential, um, and it's yeah. sort of obscure now because it's it's a terrible book <laughs> and very long, and yeah. very few people have read it. I, but it I'm is wanted... kind of the basis for vampires in yeah. many ways. Like, that was kind of the ground zero for vampires. Okay. Not quite ground zero, but it did influence a lot. First Vampire with Fangs, for example. Okay. Right. They didn't have those in folklore or any fiction before that. Oh, no, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that, a... that's sort of a retroactive thing that we associate with them. Right. Um, same with, um, th- this came later, but say Burning in the Sunlight, that comes from the movie Nosferatu. Is that the origin of the sunlight thing? Yeah, really. Like is a lot of vampires in a lot of vampires in early fiction didn't necessarily like the sunlight, but they didn't. It what didn't kill them. Right. Wow. Vamp- yeah, Dracula can go out in sunlight, but yeah. he's weak and he loses his powers. He's not necessarily that he can never go out in sunlight. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. isn't that interesting? In that yeah, lay, in it wasn't until film. It wasn't until the existence of film. Right. That's yeah. kind of nuts. So right? that's nineteen twenty-two. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Nos and Nosferatu is, for all intents and purposes, it is an adaptation of Dracula. They just couldn't get the rights, so they changed all the names. Right. Yeah, but right. it is basically Dracula. And it was, yeah. it was yeah. destroyed, like it was ordered destroyed. Um, because was it, it? Yeah, it was... Uh, right, Bram it was, Stoker's they, widow, right? Bram Stoker's estate sued the movie yeah. uh, makers because it was, it, it's a complete ripoff. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, at the time, Dracula wasn't in the public domain, so it was ordered destroyed. But luckily, some prints survived because it had already shipped overseas. Wow. Right. So that that, that might was, have been a lost film. It wasn't an easy to. It wasn't an easy sit through. I sat oh. through it when I was younger, and yeah. it, it, it well, what, no, I, yeah, you know, it, it's it one depends. of those ones you hear so much about, but then as you're watching it, you're kind of yeah. like. It depends on how <laughs> how uh, comfortable you are with silent film, I suppose. Yeah, um, I I actually saw it before. Like they they got the Toronto Symphony Orchestra to play the theme while they showed the movie at one point. I think that was the first time. Oh I ever wow, saw that'd it. be but, fun. Yeah, you've got to see really. We've also got some friends online, uh, Andrew, uh, a friend Andrew Ilo online who. He did a version of it online where he scored it with classic Bowie tracks. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> which was a really fun thing to, to do online. You can you can see that online. He puts it up every Halloween. That's uh, super fun. And stuff like yeah. that. I just heard today, a little off topic, but uh, on topic, because what you mentioned, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra will be performing Star Wars A New Hope yep. very soon. I saw that announced. So kids, get out there, get your tickets, because that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I was huge into silent movies, but it was all the comedians growing up. Oh, okay. And I was oh, yeah, a big yeah. Chaplin, Buster, Buster Keaton. Keaton yeah. and all, you know, I think a lot of that came from my grandfather's incessant viewing of the Three Stooges, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I was okay with black and white, and mm -hmm. I, and then I would watch Chaplin movies when they were on TV or whatever as a kid. So when I was a kid, I really liked Abbott and Costello. Yeah, absolutely and the yeah. Marx Brothers yeah. Yeah. And then it, it was it was more fun for us when it came along with Abbott and Costello like meets the werewolf Frankenstein, and Frankenstein yeah. and Frank, all that. That was oh, a great. Yeah. That, that was, was actually stuff. a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I only recently discovered that uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein features Lon Chaney Jr. and Bela Lugosi, but not Boris Karloff as Frankenstein. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I thought it, I always thought it was all of them. No, nope, it's, it's not. not Boris, Boris Karloff is not. Then he, later, Boris Karloff meets them, but it's a different oh, movie. Okay. <laughs> so oh, the one okay. that's supposed to be the Boris Karloff episode, uh, uh, movie is not Boris Karloff. Yeah, Boris oh, Karloff funny. only played Frankenstein a couple times, right? I guess. Or I Frankenstein's know. monster for pedants out there's, there. But yeah. I think there's only yeah, there's Frankenstein, Bride Frankenstein. Maybe there's another one, and then I think he only did the two. Yeah, you know, but then he did. Uh, he well, those was, are two good ones. And the, yeah. but he did more mummy maybe yeah uh, yeah maybe. he might have done no I, he did the first mummy i know i think okay. they replaced him after that there's three or four of each of the universal movies some t i think dracula went up to like four or five but they get pretty obscure because they were really cashing in and i don't think they could ever get bell lugosi back or lon cheney back right. it just became like whatever we can i've discussed do. this with people in the, on the podcast in the past and <clears throat> i i wonder if they ever can come back in the way that the universal monsters always exist. <laughs> well, they've, the they've been trying. Right. I know they've tried, but I just feel like yeah. it's not... I, the new generation, I feel like we were the last kind of ones to have hold any appreciation for the past in that way. That's really it's, interesting, and I that actually ties into our podcast. I am very much of the belief that you can revamp almost anything if you do it smartly, right. and you can bring it back. There are absolutely things that have come back that were in the past that were, people were like, oh, that's forgotten about. And then they brought it back like decades later and people were into it. I it's think. all about the spirit of how you do something, right. right? Now with these, here's what I always consider when thinking about those old movies is that back then they were terrifying. 
Right. For those mm-hmm. days, audiences watching those movies, they were scared shitless. Like, those were horrifying movies to them. They probably went home creeped out, right. you know, like after us seeing Hostel or, you know, just or something crazy I, and different, right? I know with Frankenstein, even when it went to TV, they edited out the scene where he throws the girl in the lake. Right, yeah. But it actually makes it creepier because uh, it just shows him lunging at the girl. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts right. and then cuts to her being dead. Yeah. So it looks like he did That's something like to her. That's like a total trope. That, yeah. yeah, that could almost totally be on purpose. Yeah. Do you think they could ever be scary again? Well, like, could Dracula ever well, be scary again? Absolutely. I yes. definitely yeah. think Dracula... Well, let's let's think about it. The last big... Well, there have been other Dracula adaptations. There was a big Dracula adaptation in 1992 with... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola's yeah. version. Yeah. That was very popular. Um, there's yeah. nothing about Dracula that's... In, I mean, people are still making vampire movies yeah. and he's just a vampire. It's Of course you couldn't make it like the Bela Lugosi movie. Right. But, you know, it, you could absolutely do, uh, you know, bring back... Uh, tro- they, they did The Mummy in 1999. Again, it's they, they changed a lot. You know, I haven't it, seen it yet, but yeah. uh, I guess a good example was... Uh, what was the Del Toro movie? The... They did a Wolfman. The water one. The, oh, the Shape of Water? Yeah, The Shape of Water. Yeah. That was oh, yeah, Del Toro, Toro, right? Right. Right, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it Guillermo yet, Del Toro. Yeah. Was that very creature from the Black Lagoon? It was a total yes. creature from the yeah. Black Lagoon. Now, that wasn't really a horror. They were, you were meant to be sympathetic with the Gill Man in that one. Right. Although, to be fair, you kind of are in the original, yeah. too. Uh, well, right. it's sort of a reversal of the original story, because he's sort of taking all the um, sort of racist and... Um, macho tropes from the original and sort of turning them on their head right like the villain in that michael shannon is basically the hero the, the, and, would have been yeah. the hero of one of the classic 50s versions of that right He's, right, it, right in some ways it's it's i've actually seen the sequel to creature from the Lagoon. i forget mm. what it's called but in some ways Return it's like, of the creature i think yeah, yeah. Shape, shape of the shape of water is almost more like his own take on the sequel than it is the original creature of the Lagoon. because that's right. the one where they have caught him and brought him back yeah, to civilization yeah. and that's right. what happens in shape of water but it, now to be fair that's not that's not a pure horror movie though like that's not as, as stuff like that but right. you know one of the holy grails just uh, in talk of old horror one of the holy grails is always hp lovecraft you know people oh, yes. always want to adapt hp lovecraft he's from the 20s you know yeah, he was writing yeah. yet pe- nobody doubts he could be done really well he could be very scary if he was brought he, nowadays see he's hp lovecraft has kept this slight enough under the radar status yeah over all these decades that that is in a way an untapped wealth of mm-hmm. stories that could come out of that that People don't understand, and they get a little freaked out because it is kind of creepy. So I think, yeah, yeah. yeah Lovecraft, they did a little more, you know. It, well, well, like, well, there hasn't been a lot of great Lovecraft adaptations. No. Probably the best direct adaptation is uh, Reanimator, which took it in a very right. silly direction. Right. And From Beyond, which is... Reanimator rare. was based on... It's based yeah. on a Lovecraft story. Herbert, Herbert West, West Reanimator was a Lovecraft story, yes. Yeah. But I, it's, a, it's one of his more obscure ones, yeah. and it's not the stuff that we associate with yeah. Lovecraft. Which right. Is so what that's why it's... Gave, Miscatonic University in the movie because that's yeah. that's the right. that's the, it's uh, weird because work. he's a famous creator with no uh, other than now and popularized even more in the last ten years yeah uh, because of Cthulhu right um, 
he doesn't have like that brand or that name. It's him. Like, is mm-hmm. you know the name, well, and you kind of get that he's an old kind of weird writer, and he did the yeah. monsters and stuff. He's really but racist. Not yeah, but not as general as other stuff. Well, yeah, you, you yeah. know what? The the that's one of these things. Uh, and this is with a lot of the stuff that we talk about in our in our thing. Uh, some things are are just so classic, but other people have rated them over the years. Sure. And I always said like the best adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft is uh, the first half of the movie Alien. Like it is this, exactly the same story except in outer space. Right. Uh, if you think about it, it is definitely that Lovecraft story. Okay. And it, they take it in another direction. But the first half is almost a direct adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness. Uh, same, we were talking about John Carter. We're, we're probably going to do an upcoming story. We'll talk, or upcoming episode, we'll talk about John Carter of Mars. Uh, I don't know if okay. you've ever heard oh, of him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, He yeah, was yeah. created by Edgar Rice Burroughs, who also yeah. did Tarzan. Yeah. And, and of course, they did a movie of him a few years ago. A, there was a big Disney movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the and thing it is, bombed it bombed. Well, yeah. it didn't deserve to. It, it, you know what? It didn't do as bad as everyone said, but it didn't do anywhere near as well as they wanted yeah. it to do. And the trouble is, John Carter's been around for so long that he's been ripped off so yeah. much that it no longer seems cool to do him. It's oh, just okay. like, yeah, like yeah. Flash Gordon's kind of a rip off of John Carter. Uh, sure. Return of the Jedi ripped off. Uh, oh, Star Wars <laughs> is a rip off of so yeah. many yeah. things. Yeah. But like the Princess yeah. Leia bikini thing. That's uh, yeah. Slave Leia bikini. Okay. Uh, that's based on artwork of Deja Thoris from the Barsoom books. So. Right. And just right, having yeah, with floating the, yeah, b- yeah. desert barges. And yeah. The de- that's all oh, sure. the imagery yeah. of yeah. The Mars Everything the comes from books. something nowadays. Right. Yeah. Are you guys Have you guys ever heard of Dirk Manning? Uh, he's, Bell. he's a horror writer out of horror thriller writer mm-hmm. uh, out of Ohio. And he wrote Nightmare World which is several volumes of short uh, horror stories, uh, all done by different artists, all written by him. Uh-huh. Uh, also, he does a comic called The Tales of Mystery, okay. which is, uh, and he won't mind me saying this, it's it's kind of Hellblazer-esque. It's mm-hmm. about this kind of, uh, it's not like that, but it is about this, like, you know, demon fighter guy, right? Okay. And uh, he is heavily, heavily influenced by Lovecraft. Mm. So in the five or six years that I've been getting to know him, I, I can't help but have gotten to know Lovecraft and a lot right. more of those stories and those styles mm-hmm. and things that have come from them. And the more I hear, the more I realize what an influence those stories oh, yeah. actually had on things going on today. Oh, yeah, and he will fully admit. And actually, as we're talking about this, this wasn't something I was going to totally bring up, but it's an interesting thing to talk about because uh, the very first volume of Nightmare World, which came out about 15 years ago, had a story in it about a kid who ended up being a character in a video game who realizes that he's not in control of his actions. Oh. Does that sound familiar in any way <laughs> well, with anything you've happened to watch perhaps lately? Yes, it does. Does it? Yeah. It the, sounds like the Black Mirror episode, Bandersnatch. Oh, okay. Doesn't it? Thema- I haven't seen that yet. Doesn't yeah. it? Now, yeah. there's a line that is dropped in the episode mm. where he says, this isn't a happy place. This is a fucking nightmare world. Uh-huh. They name drop nightmare world. Uh-huh. Now the last sentence in that nightmare world story is this isn't a happy fucking place. It's changed by a few words, but mm-hmm. it's basically the same line. Interesting. So yes, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, no comment from their side of the camp yet, but you know, Dirk's he's not causing an uproar, but you know, he's, he's, it, it's a hard thing when you're in that situation because where is the line of influence and flat out 
taking from something, right? right. So this yeah. has actually yeah. been a topic I've been involved in a bit lately. Yeah. That reminds and, me, we, yeah. we recently did a book uh, for an upcoming episode um, that came out 10 years before Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. And has basically the same plot. S- very similar plot, yeah. yeah. It's a guy looking for the big answers to life, the universe, and everything. Okay, the last human yeah. in the universe. The last human yeah. in the universe after Earth is not blown up, but similarly destroyed. destroyed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he goes yes, from it, planet to planet, and you know. See, it's tough in his situation because Nightmare World has existed for 15 years mm-hmm. and it's been out there and available and circulated and it's even mm-hmm. been optioned before. Oh. So that adds an interesting kind of twist to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But it just brings up the whole conversation of, you know, even at Comic-Cons, like, you know, everybody's selling prints of characters that are not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. They cannot be doing that, but there's a certain level of acceptance. Yeah. You know, if you've worked on something, maybe, or fan art, like fan art is a fine line. Fan fiction can be a fine line, right? I do feel like you have to cut some slack to artists because that's often the only way they can make a bit of money is by drawing (laughs) some fan art of a character. We've had had that problem at at Fan Expo. Like, uh, people don't want original stuff there. Yeah. Right. It's they want, hard. They yeah. want things they've seen before. Yeah. yeah. They and want uh, the any characters that already... be different. Yeah, yeah totally. Right. And, yeah. you know, all these guys want to do is get out the stuff that they've created, but sometimes you got to schlock the other stuff to yep. get there, you know? Yeah. And I, I've had that, like, uh, I, I sell some t-shirts of some art I've done, and the right. best seller is one I did of Gritty, you know, the yeah. mask, the... The Philadelphia Hockey Flyers right, mascot. Right, right, yeah. yeah. The scary looking new yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Muppet, okay. yeah, monster yeah. Yeah. creature. Yeah. Yeah. Who is Antifa. So <laughs> he's pun- he's punching Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So he's, yeah, which, yeah, is kind of hilarious that he would yeah. that way. But yes, yeah, so I'm sure Philadelphia, like technically, that's probably the Philadelphia Flyers have it all copyrighted and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's that, but it, it's taken on a life of its own beside that that is way more interesting than just yeah. a, as a hockey mascot, you know? Absolutely. But, yeah, um, you know. It's the Flyers, right? The Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it know. is. Yeah. 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 It's interesting with the public domain lately. Like, did you hear it recently? A whole bunch more yeah. was yeah. just released in the States. Yeah. Well, and... go, going back to James Bond, uh, as you may or may not be aware, he is in public domain in Canada. Is but he only still? in Canada. Yeah. Well, like once it's in public domain, it's in public domain. That's okay, it. okay. I was I talked about this. I think on my last. Oh, I did. You know why my last episode? Mm-hmm. Did I bring it up? I might have. But uh, Adam Gorham. I had Adam Gorham on my last episode. Okay. Uh, uh, he's an artist out of Toronto. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, uh, New Mutants and Rocket and, Groot okay. and oh, okay. stuff. Oh, okay. And. Uh, I just totally brain farted. What were we just? Oh yeah, James he just Bond did, did yeah. a cover for a James Bond yes, comic. They're doing a James Bond comic yeah, right now. Yeah, he did I think one of the covers. It's, it, right? yeah, 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 and he did the cover, one of the covers, and it's it's gorgeous. Right. And I I just had this conversation about uh, I remember James Bond coming into the Canadian public domain. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way it stayed there. There must be a new law that. So it really is still here. Well, I mean, why yeah. are they? Why is there not? Why aren't they? Why? Well, the but, problem. The main problem is um, things are so international now. Um, it's hard to sell things without knowing it's going to go into the states, and you can't sell in the states. Right. Like if so we like, wanted to do a comic and put it up on Comicsology, which is the digital comics platform, Dig- Comicsology is a U.S. platform, so we could never do anything that's in uh, that's not okay. in public. Yeah, right. and right. same with uh, distributing a film. You know, like 
uh, very few films do well just by showing in Canada. Right. There's been some, but right. But come on, when you got a, a a sad situation like watching nothing but Prairie Television on yeah. CBC, why wouldn't CBC take something like that? <laughs> well, there were and pl- just show it in Canada. Well, like, as see? we discussed in the episode, I I read when that came out there was um, discussion of doing a uh, adaptation of uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, the book takes place in canada right does and that take place in canada yeah the book does yeah the book yeah the movie's completely different it's just name only okay yeah. but um the book uh it, it that plot i didn't like that book because it had a lot of problems but uh right uh it but it, it is, would make a good movie i think yeah like it's if not, you change i don't think it's set in canada the, the, the no no it is it's french canadian the protagonist who's french canadian bond just came out of toronto doing it doing yeah. a job there yeah, yeah. oh that's cool it's, it's a canadian it's yeah. very canadian well, ian fleming yeah once trained in Toronto, right at Camp X. Uh, yeah, he was sent <laughs> over. True. Yeah, and he did that. And apparently, one of the scenes in one of the books in the movies, there's a scene where Bond has to swim out to a boat, plant a bomb, and like swim back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. apparently, that was one of the exercises oh, okay. that Ian Fleming actually had to do. That would in be Toronto living like Harbor. Die, I think was was okay. do that. So I, I I heard that story. I thought that yeah. was great. A little Toronto influence. And yeah. But yeah, there were talk of uh, there was talk of adapting that as a just canadian production that with a british bad, actor man. and there was discussion of uh i i don't know how far they got into it but they were talking about uh, jessica perry or how do you pronounce her name yeah, from Mad Men. yeah megan draper from Mad Men playing okay, right. playing the bond girl right um and that i haven't heard anything about that since that since bond was declared public domain so yeah. obviously they didn't go through with it well it's that's the thing it's the kind of thing where it's like Technically, everything may be in the open, but it's always a little weird to know what is completely free. As a general rule, I think the rule is anything before 1923 is public domain. Uh, certainly, no, oh, really? Is that... 1924, okay. Well, it just it just moved up. Oh, okay, all right. Well, in fact, what happened was, as they said, a lot of stuff should be in the public domain by now, but uh, Walt Disney and uh, Warner Brothers and a few other companies spend a lot of time making sure that it keeps moving up so that Mickey Mouse doesn't go into public domain and Superman and Batman don't so, go into public domain. Are you not allowed to continuously just refile you copyrights? You can trademark, yes. But there is supposed to be a rule that everything goes into public domain past a certain point. Now, the really? Thing is, I didn't well, here's, know Well, here's the thing. There is actually right now a Dynamite, uh, or maybe they stopped, but for a while their Dynamite comics was right. publishing Tarzan and um, uh, John Carter of Mars comics and a few others. But the thing is, so those characters are technically public domain but the trademark on Tarzan is still owned by the Burroughs estate so they couldn't call it Tarzan they called it Lord of the Jungle but in all other respects I have those I yes. have a few issues of but that in is the, that why they in didn't? the stories they're allowed to say Tarzan but not on the cover right the word tar you can't mark it and put the title as Tarzan because that's still trademarked owned by the Edgar okay, Burroughs estate okay so say you were making a comic that was not Star Wars yeah but you wanted to use the word Jedi, like say you had a no, character no. whose nickname was no, Jedi. No, that would be that would be because that's full well, copyright. Well, you could have a character if it's set in like 1960s Oklahoma. You could have a character called Jedi. That's fair use. But if it's if it's obviously Star Wars, uh, you can't yeah. use that. That's because mm. that's still not public domain. That's okay. what I'm saying. The characters that are public domain, you can use them. But if they kept in a few rare cases, Peter Pan's another example. They've actually kept the trademark up. In most cases, they haven't kept the trademark up. But if they've kept the trademark up for that many years, you can't use it in the title or the marketing or whatever. But you can still use the. Character 
character. <laughs> and for for a long time, uh, Sherlock Holmes, because later stories are still under copyright, right. for a long time, people would be sued if they used Sherlock Holmes so, without permission. But that a judge struck that down, saying that's ridiculous. Sherlock Holmes is, yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah. What about a movie like Fanboys? Like, did they flat out basically have to get permission to make that movie? Uh, you then? know, I've never I haven't seen, seen that it. movie, so I can't tell you. It's it's obvious. It's three guys who are trying to break into Lucas's house to steal the first rough draft of well, Phantom they, Menace. It's I about think... it's about fans of Star Wars rather than being like they can yeah. say Star Wars. You can say Star Wars. Yeah, in the yeah. Movie. It's it's that's fair use. Like again, it's you're you're allowed to talk about something or whatever. It's just like they couldn't show any footage from Star Wars. I don't know if they did in that movie. Uh, you're not really no. supposed to. I remember. I always remember. There's a no, scene in Clerks where he's watching Star Wars, and you're you just hear it, but the sound is just like somebody going pew pew ah, like it's obviously right. not Star Wars right. because you couldn't use a clip. And even you, sometimes you can license a clip of a movie, especially if it's made by the same studio or whatever. Right. Uh, but the, again, like that, you have to go through legal hurdles mm. to do that. I guess the and reason there are, there's there are there's copyright lawyers and stuff, right? Yeah. Who there, specialize. Right. Have you ever seen Turkish Star Wars? <laughs> Uh, yes, I know. I haven't like sat through it. Oh, but I've sat I have through it a bunch of times. Clips. It's incomprehensible. That's but, crazy. Yeah, that steals yeah. footage of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, just sticks it in the background in the wrong aspect ratio. Yeah, that's so hilarious. But uh, that's just theft. That's yeah. that's um, because of weird copyright laws from overseas. Well, it wasn't so. even copyright laws. It was just like, who's going to bother to sue a Turkish yeah. production company in 1984 or whatever yeah. it was made about Star Wars? So they didn't have, you know, 20th Century Fox didn't have a long legal arm in Turkey at that point. It also uses right. the Indiana Jones theme throughout oh, the movie. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> the wrong John Williams score. Yeah, I did watch exactly. the other day. Well, I watched... Was it Japanese or Mexican Spider-Man? Yeah. Where he's actually like a motorcycle guy Japanese. and stuff. That's oh, Japanese. Oh, yeah. Japanese one. Yeah. It's a Japanese Spider-Man. Isn't there an Italian... Italian Spider-Man's a joke, though. Yeah, that's, that's not a parody. Actually, yeah. The Japanese Spider-Man was legal. They they got the rights to right. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, but they switched up his, like, story Su- Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Spider-Man! Yeah. He has a giant robot, it's too. impossible! Yeah. He has a giant... <laughs> that's apparently the first giant mecha show, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's the first. Apparently, no. I've heard that. I, I thought I Ultraman predates it by a well, while. Well, it's not technically a giant robot. Ultraman uh, is like an okay. alien or All something. All right, fair enough. Fair this enough. conversation is making me think back to the cottage, and they used to have. Uh, that's where I read my one and only half a James Bond book, and I can't even remember which one it was because it was on the yeah. shelf at the cottage, but. Uh, my grandparents had all these old sci-fi books, right. but I was just never interested in them, in them because they weren't brands I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't Star Wars or Star Trek, yeah. so I didn't want to read well, these. They never that was never good enough. But now I regret it. Now the, I'm like, I bet you they would have been awesome. There's a lot of good stuff that is out there that you absolutely could adapt, and people have actually said we'd like to adapt this. And for years they've been trying or. People have expressed interest and never quite gotten around to it. There's one of the one of our shows is about uh, uh, a character called Elric, uh, who you may or may not Sounds be familiar, familiar with. Uh, he's created by Michael Moorcock. Uh, he was a fantasy hero. He's an albino uh, from like sort of a, a elfish race uh, of sort of pseudo Atlantean characters in a again pre history <laughs> setting. Yeah. Sort of like a Conan the Barbarian setting, but yeah. he's sort of the anti Conan. Yeah, he's, okay. he was developed to be the anti Conan because he's weak. He's a sorcerer. He uses a sword that sucks the souls of the people he kills. Mm. Anyway, and he's and he's like he's an albino with long white hair. Um, that's another character where you've seen that element pop up in so many things. As I pointed out, anime uses that trope all oh the time. Um, there's yeah. a there's a Guillermo del Toro's the 
second Hellboy movie has a character who may as well be Elric in the, that. Yeah, the, um, the elf. Prince. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a but that, and that's a character, and he's more well known in England because that was a British. And now that idea, I mean, you see it all the way to like Stargate Atlantis with the wraiths and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like that's a definite I look now. Don't know and that show. <laughs> the, the symbol of uh, chaos was invented by that book, and it's used in everything. Like uh, it showed up on My Little Pony, apparently, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> I can and see dragons. that stuff yeah. happening. Yeah. I happen to know a My Little Pony artist, and they will slip in cutie <laughs> marks that you don't even realize are in yeah. there. But this literally, but, but like yeah. I say, like Dungeons and Dragons has used that as yeah. the symbol of chaos. Like it's become, yeah. In fact, that's probably Galwork is probably the reason because he's very obsessed with I serve the gods of order or the gods of chaos, law and chaos, and that's. Like, that's probably why in Dungeons and Dragons they have lawful and chaotic alignments as well as good and evil. Okay. Because it probably came originally from the Elric stories. They were very yeah. big on that as a as a as the cosmic balance versus just, as opposed to just good and evil. Yeah, some right. of the early Dungeons and Dragons source books apparently had uh direct gods from the Elric stories. Right. And they had to remove them after a while because again, copyright. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was yeah there was a few things in the early Dungeons and Dragons. They used they straight like, used Elfcraft. They straight stra- yeah. used. Do you have Elric. any idea who originally used the word orc? Oh, oh uh, Tolkien. That, that no, is no, Tolkien no, that word. That goes back further. It, um, it is an old English word, but he's yeah. the one who created. But the there's word there's a monster in um uh, sorry uh well William Blake too. Oh, well uh in a, in a, well it's mentioned in Beowulf. There's a monster that's not described that's called an orc, a sea monster of some sort. Oh, really? Then um, that's like the oldest story there is. So uh, in English, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, in um, uh, Orlando Furioso, which I haven't read yet, it's very long. It's an epic poem. Um, it's over a thousand pages. It's wow. Um, it's uh, it describes an orc in two places: one, a moss green monster with one eye and tusks like a boar. And at another point, some sort of giant sea monster. Right. Yeah, they're usually That's associated cool. with the ocean. So, in the yeah. Oh, yeah? Usually. Yeah. So Tolkien sort of um, uh, took the word from Beowulf. But obviously, the orcs that exist now are basically Tolkien inventions. Right. But the word is earlier, and they were yeah. monsters. So, uh, so when a word like that is a Tolkien invention, because Tolkien's not in the public domain, right? No, no. But, you know, I'm sure there's copyrights but on like, lord uh, of the rings and stuff but that's a word that has gone beyond the book then yeah, that's a word again, that's been used and in I plenty think of that's this because stuff. it predates tolkien the word itself right and orcs in other uh say in world of warcraft they're big green you know like klingon like characters yeah. okay, uh, rather yeah. than the uh you know little uh, goblin monsters from the books right, well right. Re- the the um remember if again lord when does the dragons first did, they had if i'm not mistaken hobbits and they got sued by tolkien estate for both orcs and hobbits and they said really? you can't use oh, hobbits they have to be halflings because tolkien basically made up the word hobbits but yeah, orcs yeah, they could yeah, at least claim yeah. there was an earlier antecedent yeah. for orcs okay so they you know so they weren't allowed to claim orcs because of course Dungeons and dragons just basically between it was Tolkien, it was Elric, it was uh, uh, the Conan stories, and maybe yeah. one or two other things. A little that... bit of Lord Dunsany, but that's kind of yeah. obscure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Let's let's jump a little back to Tarzan because I grew up on Tarzan. I grew up uh, basically. I grew up. I spent all my summers up in Muskoka with my grandfather, playing yeah. in the woods, and he his stories to me were all the Mowgli stories, were all the Tarzan stories, and that's right. what I grew up on. That was my biggest, you know, influence just because that's what I heard the most. Mm-hmm. And I'm in love with Tarzan. For like most iterations, I loved the recent movie. It felt like one of the books and I really enjoyed it. 
And it's hard because of the the society we're living in. And you mentioned it earlier, how a lot of those old works had a lot of racist stuff kind of yeah, in yeah. there. It is, it's hard to come to terms with the fact that it is, you know, that it had to be some white guy, rich white right. guy yeah. who crashed in the jungle yeah. and was raised by apes. Well, I mean, that's but, Tolkien. But I fucking love Tarzan. Yeah. Like, well, that's what Tarzan you know? is about. I mean, Tarzan yeah. is literally about that's okay, how isn't a white... It? Like, well, well, this is the thing. I think that Tarzan, because it, it was almost explicitly about how if you dropped a white... A male and not and a member of the nobility because remember he's a he's the Earl of uh, Greystoke yeah yeah Lord, Lord, yeah. Lord of Greystoke yeah. uh, he's ju he's just so genetically superior that if you dropped him in the jungle he would come to rule the jungle like that is it is literally just an, a, a rationalization <laughs> yeah. for uh, imperialism like he learns to read he yeah. finds some books and, and he's not taught he, yeah. and he just learns how to read yeah, yeah. he's just so yeah. great and it's it, it is literally them writing about oh those us English people us, us white people are so great this is what would happen blah 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 yeah but, like, uh, when he meets a woman he's chivalrous because it's and the book says the narration says this because of centuries of good breeding right they're they're, they're pretty <laughs> wow. explicitly racist in many ways right. but you know the thing is you can tweak it without too much trouble i think and that's the subtext but you can get rid of the subtext i think well pretty disney easily. did it yeah. disney wiped a lot of that stuff out he could never read in the disney Movie, yeah, or, you know and yeah. he never learned to do silly stuff like that it was yeah. weird that he didn't have a beard yeah but you know well in the, in the by the by the like uh even the 30s versions there they've got some races but like that that element can get downplayed pretty quickly yeah. and yeah. that's the thing about these old stories you can like look at what we're i always okay i always have a theory about an old character i like to go into this one um fu manchu i don't know if you've ever yeah, heard fu manchu. Yeah, yeah he was a character and he was uh, in a in a novel uh, basically as you may or may not know he's this very very racist uh, asian chinese stereotype oh, of yeah. a mad well not a mad scientist a super genius right. evil super villain yeah. uh, who has this evil plan to rule uh, I don't know if he wants to take over the world or just rule anyway right. and he's, he's the, the novel where he appears is this sort of there's a Sherlock Holmes knockoff named uh, Nayland Smith I believe he's called who goes uh, and he's like I must find who is the master villain doing all this <laughs> yeah. Fu Manchu is so much more of an interesting character than Nayland Smith that he dominates the book and instead of doing a series of Nayland Smith adventures he ends up doing a series of Fu Manchu adventures where he keeps clashing with Fu Manchu Fu Manchu leapt off the page Nobody remembers Nayland Smith. Everyone remembers right. Fu Manchu. I've always said, if you wanted to do Fu Manchu, and the thing is, he's such a horrible Asian Orientalist stereotype, but he's also a very compelling character. And I always said, if you wanted to do Fu Manchu, you actually could do it. Just make Fu Manchu the good guy, because in many ways, that's almost the scenario that they already have set up. Because he's this, yes, he's sort of, he has sinister plots and everything. He'd almost be like Walter White on Breaking Bad. Right, <laughs> you know, right. he'd be the guy, he's he's kind of up to no good, but he's such a compelling protagonist and you'd be so fascinated by him and stuff like that. Well, right. I had you a know. character in my webcomic and I don't think you've gotten this issue yet, but it, uh, who's sort of a uh, more positive version of this type of yellow peril stereotype. Right. Um, and uh, um, there was also, uh, I believe, a comic out now called the, the something Dr. Fang. Yeah, that looks really interesting. Yeah. I, I forget who it's by, but it, it's well, it's the same sort of thing. It's yeah. it's like a Fu yeah. Manchu as a hero sort of thing. Right. You, you okay. obviously have to be really careful, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really easy that you could with very very barely any change, you could just make Fu Manchu into the hero of the story instead of the villain. Just yeah. change the shift of perspective and make it be like Cobra Kai. Yeah, uh, uh, the Karate Kid show. I haven't, oh, seen, I haven't that, seen it. But have you heard of this? I, I think uh, I've think heard so. of this. Yeah. And it basically, it's from Johnny's point of view. Right. Basically. And 
you know, it, it makes the bad guy the good guy. Right. It's mm-hmm. done brilliantly. It, it makes you so sympathetic yeah. for that other side that you grew up going, yeah, the fucking bullies. Yeah. yeah. And, and it totally flips it on its head. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, but anyway, but it's just in terms of bringing back the old stuff. There are, I think there are absolutely ways you can do it. They've talked Same about Same with uh, John Carter Mars. I think there's ways of doing that. Yeah. That, uh, well, I like the new Conan. Did you see the new Conan? The Jason Momoa Conan? I didn't that see came it. came out a few no. years ago. It uh, was, uh, yeah. I it heard mixed okay. things. Fantastic. It, it, but it was, it was more like the books in that there was some more magic and in, in, mm-hmm. in supernatural yeah. kind of stuff. But I thought he made a great oh, he's, Conan. Yeah, oh, he, he would have, yeah. He did a great job yeah. as Conan. He, they did, th- that's the thing the uh, the movie they made with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in many ways isn't faithful to the books but it captures the spirit of the books right, yeah. whereas that new one was more technically faithful to the books in some ways but it didn't capture the spirit of the books to me yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, how I would describe uh, it we yeah. did uh, one of our early episodes of What Mad Universe on Cull which is the character uh, yes. um, Robert E. Howard created before Conan it was sort of yeah. the same what, sort of thing uh, wasn't it his grandfather uh, well no it's it's way earlier it's than that in years time earlier, yeah. but oh, okay. it's the Theoretically, it is. They his are ancestor. related. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I, uh, most of his characters, I think you can argue, are supposed to be on the same line. They yeah, that was, we talked about Sorbo. that movie. Yeah. It but, wasn't good. Well, here's okay. the ironic thing. The Arnold Schwarzenegger adaptation of Conan in many ways was truer to the Call stories than to the Conan stories because it's about how uh, like he finds he was a slave and he escaped, which Conan never was, but Call was. Right. Uh, there's a few other elements. Then when they made the Call movie, that was almost truer to the Conan stories than the okay, Call stories. Right, right. So, but of course, but it, was it was also, also really bad. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a terrible movie. It was hilariously yeah. bad almost. Uh, Tia Carrera just owns that movie. Basically, <laughs> it's all about her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope more room for this stuff to come back happens. You know, yeah. I mean, that Tarzan movie was pretty successful. I think people enjoyed it enough that yeah. who knows, maybe we'll get some more. But well, I I because I really like the Barsoom series, the John yeah. Carter stuff, okay. and the fact that that movie's infamous as a bomb, even yeah. if it may not be deserved. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, it's gonna like I don't yeah. see a Pelusidar movie happening anytime soon. <laughs> That's Edgar Rice Burroughs' the Hollow Earth series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, it's they do. I mean, the funny thing is, if you've read the John Carter stories and you watch the Disney movie, it's a really clever adaptation. You're like you're watching it, going, "Oh, I see how they did that. I see that." But if you hadn't seen read the books, it's just it's just very generic movie in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried to watch it and I did not enjoy it, but it is very generic. Yeah, like and, you say, it's... but that's that's like you were saying earlier. It's a problem of John Carter's been cannibalized so much over the century. Yeah, right. That right. Um, basically nothing you could do with that yeah. would seem original. The closest you're gonna get is a He-Man movie, probably. <laughs> He-Man, if they yeah. ever actually make that stuff thing. like He-Man yeah. is kind of a fifth generation, yeah, yeah. version of yeah of yeah. John Carter. Basically. Which you felt like it's kind of weird because uh, I get that Howard vibe. Uh, when it, the old He-Man used to come with a little mini comic, yeah, inside, mm-hmm. and it was before there was a Prince Adam or any yeah. real type of backstory, yeah. and I always felt like those little co- comics of He-Man captured that Conan spirit, mm-hmm. you know, really, really well. Well, and you know, they you know, this really crazy with the toys. You know where He-Man came from, right? Like it was oh, going it was to be some, Conan yeah, yeah, yeah. toys. I, I, uh, yeah. When you watch uh, the toys that made us, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, that uh, was really interesting. And they show you the sketches yep. of the pre He Man when he was long. It was Conan on pre Man, yeah. as it were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So, uh, so what stuff have you covered? on the uh, episode so far well we've already discussed like I said we the, the, the title What Mad Universe is actually from a book uh, Phil dug up which is a 1949 pulp novel uh, which is kind of a 
in some ways we were kind of talking about as the galaxy quest of its day but not exactly it's about a guy who is a pulp editor who falls into an alternate universe that is like a sci-fi pulp universe okay. and he's basically commenting on how what a silly yeah. uh, world he lives in right um so that was kind of the the, the starting point but like i said we did uh, call we did we did one about a bunch of uh, a very obscure 19th century vampire novels that phil knows and yeah. we discussed some of the vampire stuff that we oh, talked yeah. about earlier it was, that. uh it was like overarching it was about a specific novel called vampire city by paul Vavon which is from the 1870s right and it's really weird it's a very weird it's book. about uh, it's about a city full of vampires hidden in the middle of yugoslavia yeah um and uh that sounds very 28 uh, uh the, what is it uh 28 whatever the one where uh josh hartnett and they're up in the 30 oh, days oh, a night yeah 30 days a night that's well you know that's really. that's a logical story yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. just this is, this is almost a parody of vampire stories oh, okay. right. um yeah. and yeah. uh the main character is uh ann radcliffe who was a real life gothic writer in the early 1800s and so she's Man. cast as a vampire hunter yeah it's kind of um, the equivalent of imagine if I wrote, you know, Margaret Atwood goes to fight space monkeys. Like if that, <laughs> that's the equivalent of what they pretty did much, back yeah. Because she never wrote about vampires either, and yet this guy has her fighting vampires, or at least going up against vampires. So I, that's a really weird. I and the vampires glow green, and they yeah, they can yeah, they're very weird they can vampires. duplicate themselves. They're it's, not. It's yeah. one of the weirdest books There's I've a, read. A creator out there, Sean von Gorman, and he did a book called The Secret Adventures of Harry Houdini. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's all about Harry Houdini, but he was a crime fighter, mm -hmm. and he would use all his yeah, tricks and knowledge to fight crime and solve problems. Right, and it was great. Yeah, it was the... fantastic, and it goes back to I'm really interested in your work now because I, I loved League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I know there was a bit differences in the movie and stuff, but I really enjoyed the movie as well. That that it's really hard to completely miss on a concept like mm -hmm. that to yeah. me. Yeah, you know, and I exactly. thought the performances were great. I thought it was you know, it. <laughs> a cool take on it. I yeah. thought it was um, really neat. Uh, I had some issues, but yeah, yeah no, but we are but we are big way. fans of the original comic, though. Yeah, right. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read the comic? Didn't even know a lot of stuff about things until they saw the movie, like Captain Nemo, and they see this Indian guy, this yep. like, East Asian guy. Do and, you, you know, we never pictured that as Captain Nemo. At least well, I, he is but that is in the book. Oh, like yeah, he's, he's, he's supposed to be know, Indian yeah, initially. Yeah. Have you uh, ever heard of the Wold Newton universe? No. Uh, a guy called Philip Jose Farmer, who we are talking about in our next uh, episode, actually. Uh, he basically wrote a series of... Uh, he kind of did the early version of League of Star Gentlemen, where he basically tried to link together all these classic pulp heroes and explained. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, this is something different. This is a. Oh, okay. This is a, he. He created a, a history of uh, like going back a few hundred years of this family, and they were all. I think a, a magic meteor. Yeah, it was a them. radioactive meteor came yeah. down. The Wald Newton meteor. Right. Um, okay. That <laughs> um, yeah. an actual historical event. Oh, and he, that's cool. He linked that into that the radiation gave his family some sort of special extra yeah. abilities. So that's where you know Tarzan, Doc Savage, and all these characters Shock are, Holmes. Yeah, the, are all the... related through. Yeah, distantly related. Oh, I love. That's that. right. Yeah, so all the great. And this super... was in the seventies. He yeah. was writing these in the seventies. That's right. cool. That's, yeah, that's uh, like the the Green Hornet, and uh, the Lone Ranger. The Lone yeah. Ranger. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's yeah. also there's a lot of um, stuff like that. Have you read Planetary? No, but I feel like that's... It's Warren Ellis. 
I I don't I haven't read it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it has similar ideas. It uses original characters that are based on yeah. obviously like an, a Tarzan type character, right? Uh, okay. A Lone Ranger type character. That's what the but, Watchmen kind of does. Like, yeah. You know, those, but that's on superheroes, yeah. but this is like a pulp sort right, of thing. based on the yeah. idea of them, not actually that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it has really interesting ideas. Uh, it basically says that on the first day of every century, a bunch of babies are born that will sort of shape the century. Right. And they have, you know, extraordinary abilities or they're really smart or whatever. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's the cause of all these sort of pulp characters. Right. And but that, but that was clearly inspired by the Walt Newton universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that as well. Right. And there's also a, a book, which actually I've never mentioned, uh, uh, more recent called Anno Dracula. Uh, I still need to read that. I'm Anno Dracula? Anno yeah, Dracula. it's and, by Kim, New, uh, Kim Newman. Uh, Mid-90s, I think it was written. Yeah, I haven't read it, because, but I, I've known of it for years because I'm doing a similar story. Right. In my in my webcomic right, about right. vampires, you know, Dracula trying to take over, um, and I don't want to rip it off by accident, right. so I'm just I'm staying really far away but, from it until I finish this story. It's set in an alternate universe where Dracula basically won and uh, took over the British Empire by turning Queen Victoria into a vampire and becoming her her king. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's got all the vampires from fiction are hanging out in this yeah. story. He's got like you know um, uh, they even like have they bring in. Um, yeah, like when we were mentioning Barney the Vampire, Carmilla, he's mentioned, yeah, Hardstar, apparently. Uh, at one point, like he, they mentioned even things like Barlow, who's the bad guy in Stephen King's uh, Salem's Lot, uh, you know, but, and and there's like Mr. Vampire, who is the Chinese, uh, I think Shaw Brothers vampire. Uh, they fight him at one point. Oh, have, anyway. you, have you seen Mr. Vampire? No. Oh, it's uh, it's based on the Zhang Shi, which is an actual Chinese legend. Right. They're... <laughs> They're hopping corpses because they're frozen stiff with rigor mortis, so they right. can only hop. <laughs> yeah, they hop. Um, wow. Chinese vampires hop. That's yeah, brilliant. And, and you can stop them by putting a Chinese symbol on their. Uh, their that's hats. in the movie. I so don't they... think that's in the myth, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, that's great. You know? In the movie, they drink blood. I believe in the myth, they just sort of suck out chi by hopping over you. Right. So I they love different new yeah. takes. You know, yeah. I think the one of the best takes that was a new take but on an old idea and in a way also took it back to its roots were the underworld movies did you ever see the underworld movies yeah when it was lycan versus vampire which takes it just to a cool place of just lycan versus vampire right. but they're all brandishing guns and they're all ninjas and they're yeah. all badass i, you I know? saw that at the toronto film festival and it was funny how it like it landed with the thud at the toronto film festival oh, yeah, i expect that isn't the type of movie that <laughs> yeah. you go over there yeah but, uh, that's but a great just you know, popcorn get stone and yeah. watch on the tv movie it's just yeah. you know i always love that stuff well, stripping so- it down you've never ever really seen werewolves versus vampires before you know maybe a in a movie you'll have one versus one but i just loved that idea that it was this war between the two right. you know mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I'm trying to think of where that originated, that idea, because it, it must go back further, but... Uh, Vampires versus the werewolves? Well, yeah. Abbott and Costello versus... Probably. <laughs> Wolfman yeah, and Dracula. Uh, in Dracula, he's also... he's uh, Bram Stoker sort of compla- conflates vampires and werewolves, because Dracula can turn into a wolf yeah. as well. Yeah, this is true. Right. Yeah. And uh, at the beginning, it's uh, he says werewolves are just 
vampires another right. name for vampires so <laughs> well, i was like interesting i always love the riff they did in buffy the vampire slayer because they had dracula show up eventually but he doesn't obey the rules of yeah. the buffy vampires so they basically said oh no oh, it's because he knows because he was a roma and he had yeah. all these other extra powers before he became a vampire yeah so that's why you can turn into a wolf and a that, bat and like all this a stuff. that was a really fun episode yeah, yeah. Movie. Like, yeah. they just did the spider verse they should do dracula verse and just have all <laughs> oh, the different like dominic purcell's blade three dracula i've actually um the current the Cat current shows up. actually yes actually the current, watch. the current run of my uh the current storyline that i mentioned in my Dark web comic apex <laughs> society is called on death yeah. and it's about all the different vampires meeting up yeah. and yeah. there's actually a, a shot uh in the background where i have count chocula in beautiful as yeah. a That's tiny wonderful. tiny little reference but yeah, yeah. he's not named because you know that would Love be it. but right. I, I always said you know i think you could make a legitimately good comedy right now that was like underworld but then you put in like a modern day Adam Costello into it basically sure. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be fun yeah, Will yeah. Ferrell is Adam Costello in <laughs> and fighting the underworld you guys vampires saw what we do in the shadows oh that yeah, was great. hilarious classic brilliant you know you know they're doing a whole bunch of spin-offs of that right there's well, a TV show a TV show yeah I knew about the TV show they're and doing the, a, a movie based on the the, the werewolves, werewolves you know Called we're we're werewolves, not werewolves. Yeah, I think it's called it's we're called we're werewolves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be about uh, the guy who was the werewolf in it's that. It's the little Starby, touches. Right? Yeah, Starby yeah. is going to be. Yeah. My favorite was how they use the little touches of uh, the tropes, like at the beginning when they're sitting at the table and they're having the argument yeah. and then the two of them fly into the air yeah. and yeah. kissing each other. That's just such a vampire yeah. Yeah. trope at this yeah. point. <laughs> well, I liked, uh, I liked all the oh, little references to things like there's a Nosferatu vampire yeah, list with yeah, them. There's and there's, um, them. Yeah, yeah. and uh, um, Jemaine Clement's character uh, is sort of like um, from Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, yeah, the yeah, Coppola movie. Yeah. And he actually has yeah. the... the yeah. bumpy haircut yeah, towards yeah, the yeah. i'm this is why i'm I always the looks, shape yeah. great for radio but uh like the uh, rock star lestat like yeah that yeah that's just why i'm always 16 years old <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking of those for a while the the vampire chronicles i thought those were fun uh i i never got into them i saw the movie and i started reading the book when i was a when I was young, but it, I was too young for it, so yeah. it sort it's of so turned me off. He was a sucker for a vampire, though. A sucker? A sucker for a vampire? I didn't even realize I had done that. <laughs> Beautiful. But they're, they'll never go away. Like, no, you know, I don't no. know if track Dracula well, will ever get huge again, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I think you, know. you will. No, I think definitely. there's Dracula stories yeah. out there. They made a Dracula movie like five years ago. It didn't go anywhere, but they made one. There was a TV show from five years ago, too. Yeah, yeah. There's like you know that people talk about. Like, and I know the, the um, super... Stephen Moffat's making a TV show based on Dracula. Oh, really? Because of course yeah. he is. Nice. Because well, there's a perfect example. I wouldn't have said Sherlock Holmes could come back, and then they made like five Sherlock Holmes stories oh, in the so last little while. Yeah, that's <laughs> and... one I don't think I would have doubted. Yeah, that yeah. was that's one. And same thing with Robin. I'll never get sick of Robin Hoods. Yeah. I haven't seen the most recent, that Taron Egerton <laughs> one, but I really but... enjoyed the Ridley Scott oh, yeah. one, the, the Russell Crowe. That, that was... one, yeah. Well, the, and the... I grew up on Prince of Thieves, right? right? Like, yeah. Come on. One of the things about, and I, this is also true of King Arthur, Robin Hood and King Arthur, they always try to make them historical these days. And I'm like, they're yeah. not historical characters. Make them, fant- I mean, Robin Hood's not technically fantastical, but make them 
fun and over the top. Don't try to I make agree. them like literally, oh yeah, this is yeah. real history. Well, uh, the recent King Arthur movie, which everybody hates, but I kind of liked. Yeah, I, I, I heard it was pretty good. I haven't um, seen that Legend one. of the Sword, but I, I yeah. thought it was fun. It was very fantasy-like. It had it's giant elephants. Ritchie, right? Yeah. So it was going to have but that it, Sherlock Holmes feel to it? Right. A little bit, yeah. but it also had high fantasy elements. Yeah. Like it had giant like kaiju elephants and um, <laughs> weird nice. giant like, snakes and things. I loved King Arthur, the... The one with, uh, what's his name? Colin Firth? Uh, Fer- Firth? Colin, Colin Firth. Firth would have been interesting. Is it Colin? The, no. uh... Colin Farrell? Colin Firth. No. No, Colin Firth is the, uh, not, he was not. Clive Owen. Clive, Clive Owen. Yeah. Sorry. Clive Owen. That, uh, that <laughs> I didn't one? see that one. Oh my gosh. That one is, is, they went historical with it, but they did such a good job of it that mm-hmm. I was very down. I like the mm-hmm. way they did it because they didn't just, make it seem or look or throw a little sprinkle in, they base the entire story around an actual historical event. Sure. Basically the Romans leaving that, the UK mm-hmm. and the pagans and the Saxons having to deal with the whole thing. I mean, that, that could be an interesting movie, but to me that's not King Arthur. King Arthur is, there's a fantastical element Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. And he's got yeah, the sort of the story. There's a yeah. movie coming out next year called, um, about, I think, the the kid who would be king and it's actually the guy who directed attack the block uh which so i'm pretty oh, excited right, for that nice, nice. Uh, so yeah. that's gonna be a riff on king arthur so i'm interested to see how that comes out but, yeah uh, and know. also yeah. probably a riff on the uh um uh mark twain story right no he doesn't go back in time oh it's actually okay. a modern day oh okay. like he discovers excalibur in the modern day oh that's cool to, yeah yeah so nice. yeah <clears throat> Um, it's uh, the- oh, I remember there was a cartoon when I was a kid that I only saw one episode of, but it was King Arthur and the Knights of Justice or something about a football team uh, who go back in time and replaced King Arthur. Why does that? Arthur and they sound have, familiar? and it's like a Power Rangers ripoff where they like have magical <laughs> armor. Uh, because- and it was a cartoon. It was it was really yeah. weird. Um, <laughs> oh, there's there's some bad yeah there's some bad cartoons out there. I think when this genre gets set, it stays. You know, a lot of people talk about the superhero bubble bursting, people getting sick of superhero movies. It's like you know they may not be making a lot of westerns, but they don't ever fully go away. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. will make well, they have westerns. started making westerns again. That's the thing. Absolutely, some great <laughs> ones in the past few. Are you guys any of that old? Uh, uh, the old like cowboy pulp. I read a lot of them like dime novels. Not when I was really, because uh, my grandfather had a stack of yeah. these ten cent cowboy pulp magazines. Yeah, and it's, they were great. We'll probably yeah. do a show. Up, there's uh, as Phil's told me about these things called the, Ed- the Edison Aids, uh, which existed in the 19th century, which were tended to be about either Edison himself, I think, or a similar type well, genius it's, hero. It's usually a young boy or something yeah. but yeah they would uh, invent some sort of weird technology and uh yeah uh, they were usually really racist from what i've read um <laughs> like really racist yeah. but like, they go in the old west and so stuff racist back yeah then. Uh, yeah Jeez, it's unfortunate zorro yeah like zorro was kind of the only one that actually you know he's like, from yeah like the 30s or 40s i think originally uh he's fairly recent i think he's from the ago. 20s yeah or something like that yeah yeah, yeah i guess there was a silent zorro yeah yeah well, I think he just came from folklore. I think he was... No, no, he's folklore. based on a, a book. Is he based on a book? Yeah. But, like, that book... No, it's not folklore, because uh, there's well, a company the... that claims copyright over, uh, really? over Zorro. But <coughs> Who wrote Zorro? Who wrote the original I can't story? remember. But, was uh, it, was it presumably like a Mexican, a Mexican guy, but I don't know. Uh, there's a company that apparently uh, claims yeah, to own Zorro, but they keep suing everybody who... Who tries to use it? So yeah. it's basically. I don't un- usually go the Google route on the show because it can cause odd moments. Mm. Of, but I think this is an easiest. Uh, 
Yeah, that would be interesting. <clears throat> be interesting if it was, if it was actually... Who wrote Zorro? Who wrote Zorro? Johnston McCulley. Oh, so it wasn't a Hispanic. Chapter Stories by Johnston McCulley. The historical figure most often associated with the Zorro character is Joaquin Murrieta, yeah. whose oh. life was fictionalized oh. in an 1854 dime novel by John Roland Ridge. In the 1998 film The Mask of Zorro, right. Murrieta's fictitious brother Alejandro succeeds Diego as right. Zorro. Yeah, I remember his name was Murrieta in the Antonio So Vendor's he was version. created by Johnston McCulley, which sounds like an Irishman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of rad yeah. that an Irishman <coughs> would do that. Yeah. Well, it was, you know... And to be fair, actually, Zorro is not... His adventures don't take place in Mexico. They take place in California. Right, but it's not a white dude in yeah. California, yeah. Right? right? It could have easily been a white dude who grew up amongst yes. the Mexicans. Yeah. Exactly. You know? yeah. That's yeah. a really yeah. common trope, Tacos yeah. and corn yeah. that made exactly. him... You know, gave him, like, superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. But uh, I was a big fan. I liked the Zorro yeah. everything, so... Yeah. I hate keep it goes going on. We should do an episode on Zorro because yeah, that's definitely. one I'd be interested in. Oh yeah, there's yeah. Oh, we also want well, to do lots of material. Yeah, material there's for lots. Years. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, you know? I wrote down a list and there's like, like you say, you don't have any like parameters. You no, know, you're just talking about books yeah, and shit that our, you like. Our right? basic parameter is we want to do stuff that has some kind of historical context that lets you go, oh, that's an interesting note in pop culture history generally. Okay. I, I, we okay. haven't discussed it in great depth, but I generally feel like we shouldn't go, t- we shouldn't go too recent. Like we generally want to go. Like, yeah. The most recent one we've done so far is like 1977, and I don't yeah. really want to go too much more recent than that. I kind of okay. at one point would like to do some uh, some modern sort of pastiches, maybe. Sure, there's different things yeah. we can discuss, like but it'll always Asimov, be linked to the historical. Possibly. Like, yeah, well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely yeah. want to do. He's that a big thing. fan of Asimov. I haven't read him yet, but uh, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not really into the 20th century stuffs. Or I yeah, haven't yeah. been up to this point. There is some Sorry. paper towel there if you needed Thank some you. sort of uh, tissue type substance. The cats are. Well, are we? Uh, how much? How long is your show usually? Sorry. Uh, it's usually around an hour, but you know I'm not a stickler. Uh, <laughs> we're just past an hour right now. Yeah. Okay. But uh, you know we'll start to wrap it up soon enough. <clears throat> That. I That's do. I do have mild allergies, so that is starting to kick in. All Sorry, right, buddy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, <laughs> so a little bit back to the beginning to end it off is you guys get introduced to Alex Ross through our mutual friend Aaron Broverman, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he says, you know, yeah, absolutely, we can do this. So are you guys recording from uh, mm-hmm. from the Never Sleep Studio? Yep. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So it's been, it's been cool. You guys are going weekly. Uh. Every two weeks. We're bi- nice. bi- Because it, these episodes take a lot of research. We have to read books Absolutely. and sometimes entire series. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. Um, But if you support us on Patreon, maybe we'll make enough money that we can do it weekly. Do you have a Patreon we, already set up? We do. We both have our own Patreons. <laughs> yes. But we okay. put everything up there. Well, here, give, well, let me give you the website address. Yeah. It's uh, neversleepsnetwork.com slash series slash what dash mad dash universe. Right. But we're also on iTunes. We're also on uh, Stitcher. Uh, Google Play, all the usual stuff. So you can just Google What Mad Universe. But if you go to the website, it does have links to our Patreon. I'm Adam Prosser, P-R-O-S-S-E-R, and this is Phil Rice. Phil, uh, I'm on. I'm on there as uh, Spear Havoc. Spear Havoc. Spear Havoc. Yes. It's Spear Havoc. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an historical figure that I like. His name. I. That's he, all good. He's yeah, a yeah. weird. Um, 
He's a he was a weird uh, monk who uh, ended up stealing a bunch of stuff. Uh, Sounds like you. Right on. <laughs> yeah. He was a he was a monk and artisan, and yeah, yeah, at one yeah. point he was charged with a miracle where he lost something and he prayed and then he found it, and that was counted as a miracle. That cracks me up. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, at the end he was denied a bishopric or something, and he uh, he ended up stealing uh, some some expensive things and disappearing completely <laughs> so a miracle fun. he made his thumb appear to is there any social media presence for this oh show? yeah yeah we're yeah. both on twitter a lot both uh, on twitter uh, i'm prankster 36 and phil is again spear half hawk with an underscore with, at the end the name was taken yeah <laughs> for some reason awesome. uh, by somebody who's never tweeted yeah exactly very cool guys well let me and we have a facebook page sorry yes. oh perfect so, Yes. Yeah. What Look Mad up, Universe? What Mad yes. Universe on Facebook? Yes, please. Beautiful. You can check it all out there. Uh, welcome officially to Never Sleeps Network. Thank uh, you. It, Thank it, you. It's a fun time. I I was thinking earlier today. I was trying to remember how long I have been on the network now, and I couldn't remember exactly. It's been at least a year, but uh, it's a great group of kids. It's a lot of fun going on there. I'm proud to be part of that organization. It's see, I met. Uh, I met Aaron. This is how my... I'll tell you quickly how I got involved with all these guys. Is I was online and uh, I had met Aaron Broverman and had saw that he was doing his speech bubble. No, I hadn't met him in person, but I saw a speech bubble. And he made a comment because he had Alice Quinn on the show. And he made a comment about how she was basically the only independent journalist who had been covering independent comics in Toronto for however long or whatever. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help but chime in. And I was like, look, Alice is wonderful. She's an amazing voice for this community. All due respect and love to Alice Quinn. But she is not the only one. Because <laughs> I have been in these trenches at these cons talking to these assholes for the past like seven years. Right. So, you know, what's up? <laughs> and he's like well, and then she, fought, he's know. like yeah, yeah and then we had our batless out and we yeah. went in, and uh so he uh he's like come on the show and i was like shit yeah so i went over to the studio and i was on speech bubble and then we just chatted so what we actually did is because i also have a podcast network called points of interest podcast network mm -hmm. so we decided to do a pod exchange program so an elegant weapon joined Never Sleeps and Speech Bubble is now also available on Points of Interest Network. Okay. So yeah, we switched up. So it's just cross promotion and fun <clears> and <throat> you know, a way to keep things going and help to get, you know, the word of Toronto comics out to the rest of the world as well, right? Mm -hmm. So rest of the world, you need to check out neversleepsnetwork.com. There are many fine shows on that network, including Speech Bubble including An Elegant Weapon, and now including What Mad Universe with Adam and Phil. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show, and especially thank you for actually coming by the studio. <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's way more fun to do this in person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, Not that I don't love you Skypes. I love you Skypes. I get to talk to people all over the world because of the Skypes. But this is always a, a really fun time. So thank mm -hmm. you so much, guys. Well, thanks for having us. Anytime. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank uh, you. Never Sleeps Network, What Mad Universe, kids. That is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.